0: carry that discipline of stopping when you feel stressed having that discipline to take those three deep breaths is the first step because most people when they feel stressed they're like, oh I need a break and they start scrolling on social media which is further numbing or they go to eat junk food you know we all have those those crutch things we do and so the first step is just to acknowledge and actually to pay attention to that that physical sensation in your body or your mind or your shortness of breath. And then to take those deep breaths is really
1: powerful. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, where you'll learn how to get your mind right so that your body will follow. I'm Trudy Stone, certified culinary nutritionist, TV guest expert, and author. After self-hacking my mind and body to lose 30 pounds, I now help busy, overwhelmed women use stress as their superpower so that they can rise above it and become more calm, resilient, and physically fit. Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show. This is culinary nutritionist, Trudy Stone, and I am so grateful that you tuned in today. Look, today on the podcast, we have a very, very special guest. And I got to tell you guys, there would be no Trudy certified culinary nutritionist without this guest we have on the podcast this week. So without further ado, joining us on the Mind Your Body show this week, we have the amazing, the one and only, the very humorous Megan Telpner, who is the founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, where I received my certification. But let me tell you a little bit more about Megan and her awesomeness. So Megan Telpner is a Toronto-based author, speaker, nutritionist, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Her humorous, engaging, and real approach to living an awesome, healthy life has garnered her worldwide attention. She's written two best-selling books, Undiet, Eat Your Way to Vibrant Health, and The Undiet Cookbook. Megan's success in cultivating a global community of undiet enthusiasts and culinary nutrition experts like myself has garnered her a feature in Forbes and ranked her as one of the top 100 female entrepreneurs in Canada. And that's the short bio. (laughs) Welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, Megan. How are you? Oh my goodness. I'm so good. And I am so honored
0: to be on your show and just your introduction already had me emotional. So who knows where (laughs) this is, not the stuff about me, the stuff about about you.
1: Oh, <laughs> thank you, Megan. No, it is. It is so true. And, you know, I'll give you guys the Coles notes of the version here of the story. But um, yeah, I went to the ac- Academy of Culinary Attrition. That's where I received my certification that you see right there behind me on the wall. And um, it was a long and winding road that that led me to Megan. And basically, it it started as of a really serious illness that I had at the beginning of 2015. And, you know, the conversation I had with my doctor was like, hey, you know, Trudy, if you weren't in you know pretty good health, this could have gone a completely different direction for you. So i so glad that you were. So knowing that it just really inspired me and motivated me to want to help others to live and eat healthier. And when I look at my roots and how I grew up with my family and, you know, my mom being a Jamaican mom and always turning to food as medicine, it was really important to me to find a certification as a nutritionist where I could actually you know, teach people about the healing properties of food, not only prevent disease, but also to potentially heal certain types of diseases as well. And that's where I found the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, the wonderful Megan Telpner and her wonderful, amazing supportive team um, join the program and the rest is history. So Megan, I owe so much to you and I am so honored that you were joining us here on the podcast today. Oh, thank you. What a great story. So if Megan, I just, I gave you that wonderful vial, right? But if someone hasn't heard about you, if this is their first introduction to you, can you just give us a little bit of a background about you and what it is that you do in your own words?
0: Yeah. So my, my background actually isn't that different from yours and that I encountered a serious health challenge early in my life um, and was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and the conventional medicine still to this day doesn't know how to effectively deal with the root cause of autoimmune conditions, no matter what it is. I was diagnosed with Crohn's, but they're all very similar. Um, They can target different parts of the body. And so at that point, without any understanding of the body or food, it seemed to me common sense that if I could change what I ate and basic lifestyle practices, I could transform my health. But at the time, There was no one teaching this. There was nowhere to go to learn how to cook healing food. And so I studied nutrition, loved learning about it. But at the end of the day, I realized that if we couldn't impact what's at the end of our fork for our 21 meals a week, we'll never truly get to addressing the root cause, not the exclusive root cause, but definitely a contributing factor. What we eat impacts the expression of our DNA, how we feel on a daily basis. And so that was really how I got into the work that I still do to this day. So 14 years later, but a key part of how I wanted to go about it was to make it really fun, really inclusive and really accessible in that it's not complicated skills. It's not hard to find foods. It's here's food that's available in most major grocery stores across our country, across North America. We know, um, reach students around the world in over 70 countries, but to make things just easy to make, delicious, beautiful, and health supportive, and to do it in a way that is really open to, you know, take what you want, leave what you don't, come back, try it again later, but to transform people's lives through empowering them to eat well.
1: I love that, Megan. And I think, you know, you really inspired me in that regard in terms of making healthy eating fun and enjoyable by going through your program, like just your whole approach to nutrition, eating healthy and making meals. It was just It was just contagious and I just wanted to do it. I'm like, man, this girl's having so much fun eating healthy. Like I want a piece of that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's really awesome. And I think that's so important that we enjoy that process of taking care of our body rather than looking at it as, as torture or something that we have to do, right? It's something that you get to do if you, especially if you live in some place where you have access to produce produce, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and that sort of thing, like, you know, you owe it to yourself to actually start leaning into these foods. And like you said, eating these health supportive foods, that's going to help to fuel your body and your health rather than fueling disease.
0: Absolutely. So that's exactly what my target was, was to make this something that, that people, that it seems common sense to want to do. And the wildest things, you know, I've been doing this so long. We've had thousands of students come through. And one of the resistance factors that continues to astound me is when people say, you know, my partner, my spouse, my child, my parent, they're afraid that I'm going to make them change how they eat. Mm which is so insane, really, because like, what are you afraid of? You're afraid that you're going to change how you eat, reduce your risk of degenerative disease, potentially heal or recover from something you've been dealing with chronically for a long time. You're going to feel better. You're going to feel better in your body. You're going to feel better emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You do a lot of work around brain. Our brains are going to work better. And a sweet byproduct might just be that we start looking better, looking more vibrant, more alive, have that vitality back. It's like, Someone's afraid of you gaining more of that in your life? Like, that's wild to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, even with my husband, with, you know, the eating healthier journey. And when I started going to the, you know, to ACN and I started eating all these, like, you know, healthier foods and things I wasn't really eating before necessarily, you know, it was a little bit hard to get him on board at first, but I just slowly started sneaking things in. Right. And then eventually he started to catch on. He's like, you know what, this actually isn't too bad. You know, actually I am feeling a little bit better. I'm feeling less sluggish. I feel like I have a little bit more energy, a little bit more pep in my step. So then he started to get on board. So I also think if you start to model that behavior for your friends or your family around you and they start to see those benefits in you, then you can also inspire them in that way too.
0: Absolutely. That's the most powerful thing you can do is live your life consistently by a value set that nourishes your body and soul on a cellular level. And it's infectious. It's contagious. And um, I know we're going to be talking about some of the new work that I do as well, but when you do that, when you get into that state of being, you naturally become a magnetic human. Like people want to be around you. They want to know what you're doing. They want to start asking you questions. That's the best way. And I don't want to say convert people, but inspire them to make some shifts is just to live it yourself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So Megan, I know you're going to be speaking to us today about a concept called heart coherence, but before I get into that You have the most fascinating and delicious content on your website, first of all, so make sure you check out Megan's website. I will link it in the show notes for you guys. But in one of your recent articles, you said something that really struck me, and it actually gave me goosebumps. You said, we have a duty to ourselves and the universe to fulfill our calling. And I think this is so important to talk about because many people have had a lot of internal shifts during the pandemic and feel that they're called to do more. So you can you talk just a little bit more about that and about doing the work in the face of fear.
0: Yeah, yes. So what there, I mean, a lot came to the surface during the pandemic, and you know, I listened to your podcast and many of the interviews you've done, and we've seen issues with food security get highlighted, and we've seen issues with um, socioeconomic issues related to health get highlighted, and we've seen all of these things that were like little cracks that so many people could ignore that could no longer be ignored. And and one thing I noticed coming from where I come from with my own health experience and with my knowledge around nutrition is that there was a complete lack of self-responsibility on our current state of health and on an individual basis. There was no public conversation around what we can each individually do to build our health reserves, our resilience in the body. And so when I started thinking about this and thinking about like, what is, what's the problem here? Like, what is the problem? How are we not looking to help each other from a root cause solution based thinking? And it came down to one thing, which is this mass, yes, we had a pandemic, there was a virus, but there was also this epidemic of disconnection that was like highlighted on a neon sign and it can't be ignored. And the disconnection isn't what we think. It's not necessarily disconnection from each other, you know, having to self-isolate, though that was a physical manifestation of it, but it was a disconnection we all felt from who we are truly. In our in ourselves, who our what our soul is, what we are intended to do. And it's easy to numb. You can numb that calling because it can cause you to question everything about the way you live. It can cause you to question the paradigms and the value set that you've been making decisions on your whole life. So it's easier just, you know, scroll on social media or watch violent or aggressive movies and television or subscribe to certain ideologies or certain compassionate causes, because it just allows you to feel like you are being of service along this great paradigm. Even if some things about it aren't feeling right, it's easier just to not question it. However, if we are going to serve in our purpose, serve in our calling, fulfill on that potential, do the work with fear and do it anyway. That's all about asking these big questions that challenge our need to fit in, that challenge our need to align with a certain paradigm, even if it doesn't sit well. And so there's a massive spectrum on how people perceived and interpreted and then lived out the last two and a half years. But I do believe that if anyone were to sit quietly For a few moments every day, maybe for one day, maybe two days, maybe if you challenge yourself to do it seven days in a row, you might start to feel that there was something off, like a little thing that was off about how we came to survive this as a society. And it comes down to a growing disconnection with what we all inherently know in our intuition. And it's really interesting because when we're in fear, and you know you you do so much work around the brain, but we know that when we're in fear, things start to shut down. Our frontal cortex, where our creative and and critical thinking happens, where our resolutions happen and our solution driven um, thinking gets shut down as blood rushes to our extremities, away from our digestion, away from everything we need to actually function at a higher level so that we can you know run from that proverbial tiger. But really what we were all doing was just sitting in our house. Like nothing was really that aggressively attacking us in that moment, but we were unable to process everything that was happening. And so we just continued, I'm moving back away from the microphone, which I shouldn't do, but we just continued to keep disconnecting. And what we're seeing now, I think, is we're all kind of like coming out of this fog. Being like, okay, what is it that I really need to do, want to do, am called to do, brings me into that creative flow that makes me feel good, that helps me reconnect with myself, with the people in my household, with my community, and with the world. So that's the short answer to your question. <laughs>
1: Explain <No>, <laughs> I love that, Megan. And honestly, I can say that I feel like I know myself so much better now as a result of the pandemic than I did, you know, pre-pandemic. And that's because I've really taken that time to sit with myself. And I've gone through a lot over the past, you know, several years in terms of my health, in terms of my life, my personal life. And uh, to be honest, I didn't want to always confront those things. I didn't want to sit in silence and and think about confronting those issues that I was having or those thoughts that I was having. But I now realize that by doing that, by taking that time to slow down, by taking that time to check in with myself, by taking the time to ask myself empowering questions to lead me to solutions, I'm so much better for it. And I know there's a lot of people that are afraid to just slow down, stop, or just sit in silence but you have to do it. It's, it's yes, it's scary. And I'm speaking from somebody who's been there, but trust me, you will know yourself on such a deeper, more intimate level. If you just take the time to just stop and listen to what it is that you really need to stop and ask yourself some questions, even the most basic question, what is it that I need right now? Yeah, Right. absolutely.
0: And it's interesting because we, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So I started my business just over 14 years ago and I know you kind of went out completely on your own a few years ago too and the fear never really goes away. And maybe you experience this too. You wake up every morning with a a sense of like okay, I have to another day of making it up as I go and hoping this all works out. Um but we also can wake up with a level of lethargy being like I really want to do all these other things, but today's not the day. I'm just going to do Exactly what I did yesterday, and make the same decisions, the same choices, get the same results, but at least I know that and that feels safer. But what we saw with the last two years is that that ever repeating known was no longer safe. It was no longer comfortable. It didn't fit right. And we've seen things like massive resignations from corporations and and people trying to and people leaving cities to go move to the country or people, you know, moving to new countries. Like everyone has been questioning. Was it working before? Which it wasn't, because if it had been working, we wouldn't have reached such a crisis level in, in so many different aspects of everyday life. And so if you wake up with that fear and lethargy, what does it take to overcome it? And what it is, is that there's some people who feel the fear and do it anyway, that they recognize that to get to that next place, to live an extraordinary life, to live a big life and not a life. And I don't mean big life in terms of you know being famous or being on public on social media or anything like that, but live a life that has that higher calling, that has that purpose, it requires us to do the things that stop most other people. Mm, and that's okay. it. It's like, if we can feel that fear, know it's hard, know it's challenging, be uncomfortable a little bit, that's what moves us to that next echelon. The next you can think of it as the floor of the building. We can hang out in the basement, the first floor, same view, same chaos, or we sit a little bit quiet and we take that elevator ride to the first floor, the second floor. And you start to see a little bit of a different view. What stops people a lot isn't even the work it takes to get there is opening the doors on the second floor and feeling like you're all alone there. That suddenly you're not relating in the same way with the people maybe you've chosen to spend your life with, maybe your social circle. And that can be what stops people. But once you have that moment of like, wait a second, I think there's more to this life. I think I can contribute more to my family, to my community, to the world. When you start trying to repress that and ignore it, oh, that's where the suffering starts because now you're no longer living in alignment with yourself. You start seeing conflict everywhere around you, but the greatest conflict is in your own heart. It's that Mm -hmm. I'm now waking up every day, allowing that fear and lethargy to win. And that's when we start to experience on a physical level, like things not feeling right in the body, or we feel heightened anxiety or stomach aches or body pain or headaches. And that's just one way it manifests. Obviously other things can cause those things to happen in the body, but you just start to feel, I mean, the best way I can describe is just uncomfortable or or dissatisfied, or you have a lack of fulfillment and enjoyment in your day. And really that's when the work has to start when you have to be like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take that risk and taking those risks doesn't automatically create a flow in your life. It's not like, ah, oh, now it's all easy. <laughs> there's still going to be fear and there's still going to be anxiety, but the rewards are that much greater and it feels like there's a bigger purpose to that level of discomfort. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this is me working through it until you find those little bits of reward. And you know, me creating the Academy of Culinary Nutrition was no different. I could have stuck with six people in my home <laughs> kitchen. I knew I could fill a six-person class. But the calling was greater than that. And I knew that I had to do more, even though it made me really uncomfortable and took me out of that comfort zone, you know, those like cheesy algorithms where you're like you and hard work and that's where the magic happens. Like, that's it. That's, that's, that's the truth of it.
1: Yeah, it's so true, Megan. And you know, the way I live my life is I would rather take a risk. And even if it doesn't work out, it's okay because I've gained information. Right. It's never a waste of time. Never think as a failure, as a waste of time. You've just gained some information. Right. And now what do you do with that information? Now you have to decide, Okay, which way am I going to go here? Right. But I don't want to wake up in my 70s or 80s in my rocking chair, looking back at my life and thinking, oh, my God, I wish I had done this thing. I wish I would have done that. Should have, could have, would have those should have, could have, what ups, man. Those are going to, those will eat away at you. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I talk a lot in, in one of the workshops I offer at the end of the culinary nutrition expert program is this idea of happily creating or creating to be happy. And we live in a world where so many of us are creating to be happy in the future. So basically we think that if we take on suffering now, If we take on massive amounts of debt to have all these shiny things, if we take on work that we hate, but it allows us to pay a mortgage on a big house we think we want, you know, we we take on the suffering thinking that some future place we're gonna land at like the land of happiness. And here I am. But what actually happens is that it's like the the donkey with the carrot, like you're just gonna keep having more and more things that are gonna be added to your list that you then need and so if we shift it to try and focus on happily creating feeling, feeling fulfilled in the moment with what we're doing and you're know, not every moment like when you run a business you can't love 100% of everything you have to do to keep that business operating but if the core of your work feels like it's in your area of brilliance and that you are the best person to be doing it in that way at that time you start to shift how you're, how you what you prioritize and like you said, so that on your deathbed you can look back and say, like, I was challenged a lot in my life, but I created a lot from the heart that felt very important in those moments. You might look back and be like, why did I care so much about that? Like my first book, it's it's sitting over my shoulder. It's out of print now. Um, I wrote it ten years ago. That's how long it was. And at the time, I'm like, this is the best thing I'm ever going to do. And every little detail in it was something I lost sleep over when it didn't go my way. And, you know, I worked with a publisher, so it didn't always go my way. And I look back and I'm like, it's a great book, but it's not what I would create today and feel the same level of pride over. And that's just a matter of continuously learning and creating and evolving and staying true to what feels most urgent, big, and important in the moment.
1: That's so true. And it is an amazing book. I have it on my shelf downstairs thank you. It's a collector's (laughs) item now. (laughs) So Megan, we're living in a time right now where resilience is low. Intentions are oh so high. And I understand that you have a technique that can help us to achieve inner harmony using heart coherence. So what exactly is heart coherence? All right. So And and it's not my technique. I
0: didn't invent it. It's something I've been practicing for probably the last 10 years. And I've practiced and studied different types of meditation and all kinds of yoga and all kinds of mental, for me, was for mental health. The physical health I had dialed in, the food, all of that was easy. For me, it was, it was the mind game. And I I don't remember how I was introduced to the Institute of Heart Math, where they do tons of research around coherence and this inner harmony. And what drew me to it most recently was again around November of 2020. Um, I wasn't, I, I was feeling really challenged. I felt like people were living in fear that didn't need to be as great as it was. I was seeing people creating suffering in their own minds that wasn't necessarily applicable to them. You know, we had this virus, but it didn't affect everybody the same. but everyone was was suffocating their lives. And I realized that introducing factual information wasn't getting through to people because they were in this fear. And so that's when I started thinking, well, what if I can actually just bring people to a place of calm? If I could allow people to feel a sense of peace, at ease, to feel unconditionally loved, then maybe that is enough for them in their own way to start to have more rational thinking about what they were afraid of and the choices they were making in their lives based on this fear. So, that was when I started looking into brain rewiring, how we rewire our brains for happiness so that we stop sort of gravitating towards like the doom scrolling and the news reports and the headlines and instead be like, well, what if I focus on the things that fill me with joy and and block some of that out? Still know what's going on. You know, you still have to know what's happening, but it doesn't need to be 24-7 like the news world would love us mm-hmm. to be tapped into all of it. Mm-hmm. And And it's interesting how when, you know, these little sparks of things, someone will say to me, like, you should check out this workshop. And I'd go watch I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And it just felt almost like the best way I can describe it is divide intervention that I kept being introduced to things. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I'm doing this, but why am I keep being pushed towards these directions? And then I saw this facilitator training with heart math. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do this training. It wasn't expensive. It was like a hundred dollars to learn how to, um, talk about the coherence technique and teach it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Cause as when you gain vocabulary around things, it helps you understand them. I'm like, okay, this will be beneficial personally. And then I'm in this business group of very high level, brilliant people that I don't remotely feel like I belong with. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so I'm in within that group, I'm in a seven person mastermind and, so I did this training and, and the facilitator said, do you want to offer it to our little group? I'm like, okay, this is a group of seven people that I've come to know that I trust that I'm not intimidated by, um, who also aren't necessarily meditators. So there is that aspect of it. And so I taught this technique to the group and they're like, that was great. And I'm like, great, done, move on. But then I was put forward to actually teach it to the group of 300 people. And this was a year ago. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not qualified to teach this. I can't. I can't do it. But then I'm like, what is my resistance? Like this? I should know. I know by now that when you're asked, you rise up to the challenge and it always Mm -hmm. turns into something. And so I spent last summer working on a way to present a meditation technique to non-meditators, to the non-woo-woo crowd, um, to business people. And... So, I looked into the science and I looked into all this. I'm like, this is what I just did here is brilliant. Like, this is a way to convince people they need to do this every day. Plus, when you actually do it, you feel better. And so, through the fall, I started doing these open coherence classes. They were free, open to anyone. And then, here in Toronto specifically, and in Canada, we reached a bit of a dark time again around November, December 2021, where people were being asked to isolate again over the holiday period and people were feeling ostracized from their communities, in some cases from their families. So I started teaching what was, I called wake up Wednesdays. They were free, open to anyone to come join Wednesday at 12 PM. I would guide through a coherent session and just let people talk about what they were feeling. And that was the whole intention of it. We started with 30 people. Two months later, I had over 300 people showing up to these free live classes. And I was what? like, Exactly. And it was just this simple technique that's free. And I can, I can, and all it is. So all this coherence technique is, is you start breathing through your nose, just inhaling and exhaling. And I would count people in to a count of five. And then I would ask everyone to envision that breath coming in through your heart center and out through your heart center and just slowing that breathing, focusing on your heart. And then I'd invite them to start to embody the heart-centered emotions. Those are the emotions of love, gratitude, care, compassion, empathy, and appreciation. And so I would describe it as like, picture yourself falling into a warm bed at the end of the day and feeling fully supported or a long hug from someone you love dearly. And what that feeling is, that is the heart-centered emotions. And so when we can embody that just through the use of our imagination as we slow our breathing what it does is it brings our entire body and i i'm, I'm going to say being cuz i'll get to that but it brings our entire body into a harmonious state so it creates a steadier rhythm in our heart but also in our respiratory system in our circulation in our hormonal system in our thought processes and the messages that go to the heart so we often think about the brain sending signals to the body. You know, if you say, raise your hand and I raise my hand, that's my brain telling my, my arm to go up, but we actually send more signals to our brain from our body, specifically from our heart. So if we can regulate that heart rhythm and the heart rate variability, which allows us to be more resilient. So it's where we can, our heart rhythm The beating of our heart can fluctuate, but the space between those rhythms can, can sustain that fluctuation and keep us in a steady state that positively impacts the messages being sent to our brain. And so we can start to think in a calmer way. When people, when I do this with people and they say, I feel more at peace, I feel more at ease. It's not just in the heart. Like it's not your heart you feel, it's your mind and your brain and your mind is embodied in every cell of the body and your brain slows down and you start to move into that front part of the brain, that frontal cortex, where we have that critical thinking, that creative thinking where we get when we're in the flow, what we call, you know, when you're doing a hobby you love and you lose track of time, you're in that front part of your brain. And so this very simple technique can do that. What's more powerful to me about it is that we have a field, a magnetic field around us that has been shown in science. This isn't, you know, the woo-woo or a photo, though that is real too, <laughs> but we have this magnetic field that extends around us by three feet. And you know it, I know it, you know, when someone walks into a room and you immediately think, oh, I want to go talk to that person or yep. get that person out of my space. When you have that three foot field around you and you are in harmony, what happens is that people feel it. They don't have to believe about coherence. They don't have to believe that we have a magnetic field or an ethereal body, but they'll feel it. And so when you walk into a room and you are in a state of coherence, so Trudy, you do public speaking. If you walk onto a stage, if you take three minutes before, get into that state, walk onto the stage, you instantly have a magnetism to you that nobody will understand, but all they'll know is they'll want to be around you. They'll hear better what you are saying. And so if we think about it, and this was really my my inner drive to want to teach this technique to everybody and teach them how to teach it to others, is that if we have 3% of the population, say in the city, in the world, walking around in a state of coherence, in harmony, we directly impact that magnetic field of the people around us. So if we walk out in a stress state and we come into someone else's stress field, that magnifies. So we now have two aggressive states magnifying each other, which is what we've seen happen. But what if I'm in a coherent state and I bump into someone in their stress state? My state is going to be stronger than theirs and it will bring them in and it will de-escalate the fear, the stress, the anxiety, whatever it is, they're feeling the aggression. It works with a child. So I have a five-year-old, it's a volatile period. And I know after school, (laughs) he's in a heightened, he's tired. Like he's tired from holding it together all day. And I know that if I greet him also feeling like I'm tired of holding it together all day, there's going to be more volatility. But if I greet him from a state of coherence, it de escalates. not to not allow him to express his own emotion, but that he can actually tell me how he's feeling without it turning to meltdown tears and screaming. And adults are no different. They just seem to, they mask it it better. And so this powerful technique can transform not just how we feel and how we function and how our entire bodies function, but impact how we interact with others and impact their level of coherence without them having to do anything. And there are studies that show this where three people can sit around the table and get into a coherent state and they can watch the coherent state of that fourth person elevate, to match theirs. Wow. They've done studies with people and their pets. What happens with a with a coherence when you're, or a harmony, I should say, of that heart rhythm when you're in a space together or a husband and wife sharing a bed or a mother nursing her child. So it's a really powerful thing. And what I love about the HeartMath Institute, and I'm not a representative, I'm not affiliated. They have tons of free research. It's a not-for-profit is how much research they have that supports the impact of this. And so for me, it was clear that I i mean, I know what my gifts are. My gifts are taking things that can be very complicated, simplifying them and making and, and removing any excuse for someone not to do it and take it on and feel better. And so it became clear to me, you know, when you say, like, why me? Why am why do I have to do this? It's like, okay, well, this is why I'm gonna do it. I have an audience I can reach. I have people who seek to elevate how they operate in the world. I know how to teach things really well. And what if this can impact people in their households? And what if the people in those households then are going out to school and to work and to the grocery store and the bank and having these different types of interactions that can have an impact that can shift how communities operate. And so that's, that's why and how and what and all of it in one.
1: Oh, Megan, that is so amazing. Thank you for breaking that down. And wow. Okay. There's so much to unpack there, but I do want to say that you are more than qualified to teach this. So when you said, (laughs) when you said, who am I to teach this? I was like, but Megan, like you live, breathe and eat this. Like you are the perfect person, just the way that you you go about your day, just the way that you live your life, just the values that you have, the way that you inspire people. You're an amazing educator. Like Who better to be able right. to teach people how to do this? So I'm so thankful that you found this new path and that you found a new way to help people and enrich people's lives. Because so I think this is brilliant. And I think this is right up your alley. Um, Second of all, so with the breathing, I have to say that this is something that I do regularly. And this is something I started actually practicing a lot more during the pandemic is when I'm feeling stressed and when I'm feeling frazzled and I have all these different thoughts and like, okay, this thing is happening and then I got to do this thing. And then what if this thing happens? I just stop myself and I'm like, okay, Trudy, just stop right where you are. Let's take some deep breaths here. Okay. Let's take some deep breaths. Just three deep breaths. That's all you got to do. And I immediately feel better. Then I hear about heart coherence. And so Jen sent it to me and I started looking it up and I was like, oh, this practice sounds really interesting. So I did it. I actually did it last night for the first time. And it is such a way to just upgrade just that basic breathing. It's such a great way to upgrade it. Just when you think about like holding compassion for, you know, for somebody else and just feeling like the breath in your heart, because I usually like feel the breath like in my stomach and maybe in the chest, but I never really thought about directing the breath to the heart and like out of the heart. So that was yeah. a game changer and when you say like you can feel it in 30 seconds, you really can. So yeah. I'll definitely make sure I link to that article in the show notes so you guys can yeah. check that out. There's a practice on that page and I'm telling you, you got to try it. Do not knock it until you try it. Do you feel like your stress levels are constantly on the rise? You're not alone. Feeling stressed is a perfectly normal feeling, but it can sometimes feel like you're taking on the world without the strength to get back up. In my free Foods That Soothe ebook, you'll discover some key vitamins, nutrients, and recipes that may help you to improve your mood as well as to reduce your stress. I know how it feels to be overwhelmed, so I wrote this resource with you in mind. No matter how stressed you are, there is always a way to find relief. This book doesn't take more than 10 minutes to read. You can even read it on your phone or on your tablet. You can also grab the free download over at TrudieEastome.com forward slash foods that soothe.
0: Yes, it, that's the thing. And and when so to ha- carry that discipline of stopping when you feel stressed, having that discipline to take those three de- deep breaths is the first step. Because most people, when they feel stressed, they're like, oh, I need a break. And they start scrolling on social media, which is. Further numbing, or they go to eat junk food. You know, we all have those those crutch things we do. And so, the first step is just to acknowledge and actually to pay attention to that that physical sensation in your body, or your mind, or your shortness of breath. And then to take those deep breaths is really powerful. Meditation is something that I think intimidates a lot of people. And they think that to meditate, it's like, I have to sit on this cushion. It's going to hurt my back. I need to breathe. I need to have like my incense and my Palo Santo and my hands need to be in a certain position. And there's no accessories needed to calm the mind. Like you need nothing (laughs) except, you know, I know you love the beach. I love the beach, like the tropics, the Caribbean, like that ocean is to me, the most healing thing you can be with, Mm -hmm. but we also have it inside us all the time. And that is listening to the breath. That is the sound of the ocean when you're breathing in and out through your nose. And so when it goes to your heart and you start to embody those emotions, that's where like that combination, that's where that magic happens. Cause when, when, and one of the studies I share and I have a free class, it's at meganthelpner.com forward slash magic. And one of the, um, studies that I share in, in that there's a little 30 minute presentation with the practice is that we actually have a greater negative impact from the thoughts we think than from actually experiencing the negative event. So if you have something right. negative happen and then you dwell on it later, The dwelling on it is just as impactful negatively or more so than the experience of it. And the research shows it can actually suppress your immune function for up to six hours, Mm -hmm. that fear, that aggravation, that anger. But the same is true for positive experiences. So, when you just imagine that positive experience, that love, you know, holding a baby for the first time, or you know that warm embrace, or the moment when you looked into your partner's eyes and knew he was the one, or whatever that is, that has a positive lasting experience, and all of that can happen in your own mind and your imagination, in your mind's eye, and the way I envision it, and the reason why I love doing it in group sessions when it's possible, is I picture. Um, did you ever watch the Care Bears? Of course. Of course. the Care Bears doing the Care Bear stare, you know, when they'd stand in a line and like blast the love out from their bellies. Like that was my favorite part.
1: And that's why I love that graphic on that, on your website. I was like, Oh my God,
0: it's the best visualization. (laughs) And so when we do this as a group, the, the benefit is greater than the sum of our parts as individuals. And And I know, you know, you do food, I do food, food matters, but it's not enough anymore with how much we are processing as humans in 2022. Just the food isn't enough if we cannot calm the state of our existence.
1: Yeah. Oh, Megan, like you've hit the nail on the head here because when I do speaking engagements, I take people through what I call my rise system. So my rise system is how people can rise above stress. So the whole thing is that, you know, nobody is free of stress. It's always going to be there, but you can master the way that you react to it and rise above it so that it no longer has this immense sense of control over you. So there's four steps, right? So, you know, I is for inflammation, S is for stress-busting nutrients, and E is for emphasis on gut health. But the R is for rumination. Right. Yeah. And it, because it's so important, because something will happen to us in the day, someone cuts us off in traffic or we have a conversation with a coworker that didn't go as well as we thought it would. We said something we shouldn't have said. Then we dwell on that over and over and over again for the rest of the day. And when we do that, it just trains our emotional brain to become even stronger, which means that it's more likely that we're going to spend more time ruminating in the future. So yeah. when you talked about that, I was like, yes, you're, you're so right. Like food isn't enough anymore. And that's why I put R in that RISE system, because I really want people to understand, you know, that connection between their brain and their body and their thoughts yeah. and their body. Here's what's really interesting.
0: Um, Like you are, I mean, I've admired you for a long time, probably since Aww. we met, but you, you have a confidence and you have a presence when you go out in the world. And I think it's because not just of what you teach, but that you live what you teach. You live that, that rise principle. And what happens when you have the ability to get quiet and you start to tune into that inner voice, to that calling, to that intuition, you build your confidence from the source. Like you build a confidence in who you are, where you're confident in the words that you choose. You're confident in the choices you make. You're confident in your dialogues with other people that just in doing the practice, the rumination starts to dissipate because you're going out in the world as such a confident person living in the truth of who you are. So you don't often have the same level of doubt about like, oh, did I say the wrong thing? Or I should have said this, or I should have done that. And you don't have the same reactivity to stress where you might regret how you behaved or the words you used or the email you sent in that moment, because you're learning how to be more responsive in all of your interactions. And you show up, you know, you get out of the out of your bed and you've left that fear and lethargy at the foot of the bed. You're not taking it with you through the day and being able to ground back in throughout the day to who you are. And, you know, I, I joke and it's cheesy, but like if we're all unique snowflakes, If we can all be in the unique expression of who we are, then there will be no more conflict Mm. because you're able to have nuance in your own ideas. You can be comfortable with disagreement in your own ideas where I'm like, I believe this. I also believe that. And I know they can't always work together, but I'm, I'm okay with that. And when you can do that and realize like, I actually don't fit into any specific box because what's happened and we've seen huge in the health world, where if you believe these things and you're in this box with all these other beliefs. And so what, what happens when you can go out in the world in a more confident way, knowing that you have nuance in your own ideas, that you're not subscribing to one philosophy or one ideology you can also respect the nuance and contradiction in other people, recognizing that we're all extremely complicated in a beautiful way, and that you don't need to have absolute agreement on subjects A through Z in order to connect with that person. Instead, you have responsive, kind, curious-based conversations and can continue to broaden your awareness on all kinds of topics. And that too contributes to less need for rumination over like, oh, I should have said this and I shouldn't have done it that way because you were just having a, an honest, open, truth-based conversation sharing ideas. And that can't happen either if you're in that fight or flight, if you're focusing on that backside of your the survival part of your brain versus expanding out into the world and using that solution-based thinking.
1: Mm, So true. And so well said. So, so Megan, like you said something there that I really want to touch on. And that was when you said, you know, waking up in the morning, like feeling lethargic and that sort of thing. And that's why like, when I wake up in the morning, I am so mindful of my first thoughts as soon as my eyes pop open. And I think, you know, it's, it's important for us to be mindful of our thoughts at all times. But I really think like the two most important times where you have to be mindful of your thoughts is when you wake up, And before you go to sleep, especially when you wake up, because it sets the tone for the rest of your day, I call it the
0: marinade. It's the mental marinade.
1: Yeah, like we you know. do with
0: with chicken and tofu or whatever. <laughs> like, you're gonna marinate in that. That's what it's gonna taste like. So I love you have that. To be mindful.
1: <laughs> I'm using that, and I will make sure that I give you the credit for that. You but can that own is, it. That's, You can own awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I have for that reason, like I have this big framed um, portrait, like not a portrait, but just like this. I don't know this picture in my room. And on it, it says, today is a great day to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And when I wake up, that's usually my first thought. Today is going to be an amazing day. Today is a great day to be happy. So again, like don't wake up thinking, oh, gosh, I got that meeting at eight 30. I wish I didn't have to do that meeting. Then I have to take my kids to this thing. I wish they didn't sign up for the soccer practice. Cause I don't feel like driving all the way 45 minutes, you know, way after my, like, just, we just always have all of these thoughts of all the things that we don't want in our life, or all the things we don't want to do when we wake up first thing in the morning. And I really want to encourage and challenge people to instead change your, your first thoughts of the day to set you up, to feel victorious rather than feeling like a victim. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, I like, and I'm I mean, I teach all this. It doesn't mean I perfected it. Like I yeah. am truly gifted at waking up at three in the morning and thinking through all the things in the world that I have no control over. Like that is some of my my best work. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I also see it as a gift because, you know, I you're familiar with my husband Josh, who naturally is an unwound human. Like oh, he is yeah. naturally so calm. And it like, is. I can be like, Oh my gosh, what's the state of the world. Can we raise our child here? And he's like, I'm just so grateful for my fingers today. And I'm like, like, <laughs> like "Sounds like, Josh. <laughs> like look at the view of this window. Like, like he's so, and it's really grounding for me. Also sometimes annoying. I'm like, can you just get angry with me yeah. about this state of the world? But, um, it's it's those moments that invite you to do your best learning the ones that challenge you the most and be like okay this is great i now have opportunity to do more work today or even interactions for me it's often with my brother like i can you know i'm like i have elevated i'm living in the penthouse of that building today with the view and and then i hang out with my brother and i'm like a 7 year old again being like mom <laughs> michael's bugging me so there's always opportunity and you'll, you'll, you may start to know. So I I often refer to it, you know, if you have an interaction, you have a conversation, you walk away and you're like, that was not my best work. That's an opportunity. And the first step is just to acknowledge it, to acknowledge, like I'm reacting to this email I got. I'm safe. I'm fine in this moment. And just acknowledging the physical response you have in your body, that your body is moving out of coherence, out of harmony. Then you know exactly what you need to do to bring yourself back into it.
1: Oh, so true. So Megan, I know that you've developed a passion for coherence and also learning more about the brain. So what is one of the most fascinating things that you've learned about the brain so far that you think people should know?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, it's not even so much about the brain, but the mind and they, it can get confusing because, because I think we sometimes think about the brain. The brain is the organ. That processes our thoughts and lights up the nervous system that runs down our spine and ends in our tailbone and then extends to our extremities. But what I find fascinating is about the mind and considering that the mind is embodied in every single cell of the body. So, what you think impacts that full body body, mind and will impact the function and the expression of the DNA in every single cell of our body. Yep. And we often look to external things to affect change in both the brain and the mind. But one of the most powerful things we can do to positively affect the trajectory of our health is in how we care for that embodied mind. And that is one of the things I found so um, magnetic about coherence that just keeps me coming back and wanting to learn more and even more so like, okay, so this goes a little bit out there, but if we consider the embodied mind and we consider intuition and how you can feel things when you start to tune into it, you know, some will call it like a sixth sense or an instinct or like, I'll call it a gut instinct. Cause you sometimes feel like a butterfly or a flutter in your gut or your belly. Um, that something's right or something's not right or, or whatever it is, but that we also have this ability that has been proven with precognition, meaning basically psychic powers. So one of the studies I read that I found so fascinating was they took a bunch of people and sat them down and they had photographs of people, um, no, of scenes of different scenes that would emote emotion. So a horrible car crash, uh, Baby and his mother, like things that would would cause you to have a strong emotional reaction, mm-hmm. and the sh- cards were shuffled, so the person running the study didn't know the subject didn't know, and before the card was even turned over, the person would be having that emotional response read through you know the things fastened to their brains and their hearts, reading these signals, so they would have an emotional response before they could even see what was in that, was on that picture. Wow. So like, how do you explain that? And there's like, there's a lot of people who have, you know, maybe you've experienced, where you're like, I was just thinking about this person and then you see them or they call you. Yep. Or, you know, even little things like I need, like you're struggling with a solution in your business and then you see something on Instagram or you see, or someone mentions something to you or you find out of a book, you're like, oh, that's exactly what I needed. So how does that all work? And the way it works is through the mind and through this magnetic field we have and the energy we're putting out and this quantum connection we have with every living being on the planet and a connection beyond us through to the universe. And it's like universal knowledge. And though we're getting woo-woo and I get it. I love it, but but that there's research that supports all of this to me, that is fascinating. And that is where the future of medicine is going to go. However you define medicine, the word, but the future of how we connect with each other, how we learn to heal our bodies, that like the energetic medicines is where we are going to go because the paradigm we have now of medication layering, of Band-Aid solutions is breaking down. Because again, it's not enough with, with what we are dealing with in our environments and with our technology and what our bodies, which are electrical circuits, are being inundated with we can't just use food, nutrition, supplements, and when needed medication. It's going well beyond that. And many have been doing it for a long, long, long time. There's just a growing body of research now that, that explains it better, that allows it to be more widely accepted by mm-hmm. everyday people as opposed to, you know, the woo hippies like, like me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I love that, Megan, and that's exactly why this podcast is called Mind Your Body because the mind is so important to you know to your body and to your health, right? So, yeah, I, I hear that hundred percent, and I love that. And I think I think that was probably the one of the most fascinating things that I learned about the brain as well that you have like trillions of cells in your body, but each one of those cells are actually influenced by your thoughts. So that is definitely something that's fascinating for me as well because I knew your thoughts were important, but I didn't know to what extent they actually affect your body and you know, the science is starting to show that as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's awesome. So Megan, what makes you feel inspired or like your best self?
0: Oh gosh. Well, a good night's sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get real technical. I mean, that is literally night and day, no pun intended. But when I have, and I've been working really hard with my team to allow this to happen, but more space in my days. And so I have committed where two days a week, when when, Saturday and Sunday are like my family days, but two days during the quote unquote work week where I'm not assigned tasks, don't have meetings, that sort of thing. So that's Wednesday and Friday and the idea is that on Wednesdays is when I can do deep creative work read catch up on webinars or podcasts or things that I've been wanting to tune into and from that and having the space to do that usually what happens is that you know one sentence in one whole book could spark an idea for something big and dramatic and and that sort of thing so having that time and space Fridays I dedicate to creative projects whether it's sewing or gardening or recipe development or going climbing or going biking or going to which I love in Toronto other ship if you haven't been you have to go it's oh I haven't oh my gosh it's cold plunge and the sauna but the sauna is like a 40 person sauna they're a social oh my god it's great what again no affiliation oh it's goodness. it's right to town it's it's, you will love it. We can talk about it after, but yes. so please. going to do those things on Fridays with usually with my husband, with Josh. So we have to this time together to share our ideas and, you know, we're in, we're in related fields. We have different businesses and our minds work very differently. He's very, very science-based evidence-based, and I'm a little more out there. Um, and so having that opportunity, I believe is what, Continues to invite me to have to be inspired to create new work, um, and also have the time to continue to support my company and my team, and have that build out. So that you know, my goal for the last year has been to create a company that people really, really want to work at, Um, which I've always thought it was great, and people should want to be here. But recognizing what everyone's been through, how do I best support all of these humans that are continuing to build a dream of mine and? optimally have it be a shared dream of everybody who's working there. So that's some of it. But really just being open to new information and having the time to explore it and think about it and talk about it, uh, that has been its own discipline to not constantly be working, working, working and checking off tasks. Um, but that's really how the work I've been doing for the last year really came into fruition. And my most recent offering was I did a four-week wake-up series and then an intuition masterclass, which was not something I ever thought I would do. It wasn't like biggest selling thing we've ever done, but it was one of the most gratifying for me and for the participants. And it all came from just having the time and space to explore these ideas.
1: Oh, that's amazing, Megan. And I'm definitely taking notes on that. Like I just love the way that you just live your life so intentionally and just so according to your values and you don't compromise. And there's just so much to be learned from that and how that makes you feel. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's something that a lot of us can learn from for sure. So Megan, I have a question and it's something I ask all of my guests on the show. These one's that... always make me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to nail this one. And I think okay. I know your answer to one of the questions already, but so this is the question I ask all of my guests. And that is, what is your favorite way to take care of your mind and your body?
0: Mm, well, probably my Fridays. So in the winter, and especially when things weren't open, um, Fridays were like full self-care. So I would do yoga in the morning. I would take a bath. We have a sauna at our house, um, and, and do something creative that is not directly related to how I make a living. Mm-hmm. It's usually somewhat related, but just something that it's for me. Um, that's really important. And the other thing is that I am extremely strict about media intake. So what Shows I will watch if I watch TV or what movies I will watch or even the volume of things that happen, um, the music we listen to, all of that is even the conversations, even at this point, relationships and friendships like you know, that because someone called it like the, the, the social exfoliation, the pandemic was a social exfoliation. I can't own it. I can't think of who said it. That's another good one. Okay. But it was just, it kind of refined, like, who do I want to go out with? Cause I aim to have conversations that spiral upwards where we can acknowledge what's happening and then go to solutions or go to the good things happening in our life and the positives, as opposed to the conversations that, tend to devolve into the negativity or gossip or that kind of thing. So that's all part of, of taking care of my mind body. And I exercise nearly every day. So love that. that
1: too. Love that. Love that. So Megan, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to follow you, where can they find you? I am at Megan
0: is my website and I'm Megan Telpner on Instagram and Facebook. And then for the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, uh, that's all at culinary nutrition or culinarynutrition.com.
1: Awesome. And you also have a free coherence technique class that people can sign up for. Is that correct?
0: Yes. So please go visit megantelpnercom forward slash magic for the free class. And if you're interested in the full series I've put together, those are at megan forward slash superpowers.
1: Awesome. And Megan, you are pure magic, and you have many superpowers. So, that Aww, is so fitting. thank you. <laughs> Megan, this was probably, you know, and no shade to any of my other guests, but this is probably one of my favorite interviews I have ever had on this podcast. So again, I want to thank you so much. Um, for being here, for taking the time to share your gifts um, with us here today and with the world. Um, Again, I just want to acknowledge you for everything that you have brought into my life and everything that you bring into other people's lives as well. So thank you so much for joining us here again today.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, Trudy. And I'm so grateful for all the work you're doing and getting this out in the world in the special and unique way that you do.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mind Your Body Show. I hope that you learned something new to help you transform your life and your body. For more after the show, make sure to head over to TrudyEStone.com. That's where you'll find all of the show notes. Also make sure to head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a rating to let us know what you thought about the episode. And remember, get your mind right and your body will follow. Thanks for tuning in.